Welcome to the inaugural episode of If That Makes Sense. It's a Family Life original podcast about doing life in your 20s or thereabouts as a follower of Jesus. I'm Tim, Tim Powers. I'm an audio producer, a radio production assistant here at Family Life. My name is Robbie Lamarck. I work in Family Life's Performing Arts Department. My name is Mary Probert. I work in production with Tim. That's right. (laughs) My name is Mike Hyde, and I work in the events departments as well as the performing arts and music departments. Ooh, he wears many hats. Double dips yes. in yeah. the department. Yeah. See the hats? See all the hats on his Triple head? dips. Yeah. Look at all of them. Stacked. Well, Sunday morning rolls around. You're 22-something years old. 22. Maybe you're not in school anymore, and you're saying to yourself, oh, I've got to go to church. I've got to pick a church. This is a question that kind of you don't think about before you go away to school, before you move out of your parents' place. I want to hear, when you're looking for a church— what is it like? Do you make a pros and cons list? How do you go about looking for a church? Mm. I'm looking at you. Uh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to dive. Um, so m- my father is a pastor, so I have gone to the same church my whole life. But when I was in college, I was sort of in that boat where I was like, oh, I have to, I have to pick and I have to choose. Um, so I wound up at my aunt and uncle's church, and I was living with them at the time. And I think one of the things that I realized – um, was that I wound up in the college age Sunday school group and wound up kind of gravitating toward those people and realized I wasn't really branching out to all the age ranges and, you know, saying hey to the youngsters and talking with the older folk. And I kind of got stuck in that demographic, which became frustrating because I was at a Christian college. So there I was taking classes with all these Christian kids and going to chapel with all these Christian kids and all, all of the age range that was the same. And yeah, you're talking to your professors that are different ages, but I was missing the demographic of investing in the younger and learning from the older. And so I think what partly what I realized was, oh, yeah, if I'm going to be looking for a church, I need to be thinking about myself looking for a wider age range. And so I would hmm. say if you're looking around, try to look for a place that's got a variety of ages because I feel like that represents a healthy community of people that are young and have families and have kids and are older and their kids are gone and those that are similar age range too. Um, so I think that's something I realized was, oh, I'd, I'd want to look for a, a wider a wider age range because I think that, that represents a healthy body. Yeah. And what I think is really interesting about that is it's one of the, this is a two-sided thing here too, because one of the first things that it's easy to go to is to say, is, is my age range there? And I think that's important. I definitely think there's a place for that. Like that's a, a, a healthy thing. You want people that can relate to the part of life you're in and ask the same questions as you. But if you're in a college town and there's only college <laughs> kids at church... Well, what, you know, like you said, especially if you're at a Christian school, then it's like, oh, you're just kind of at a Bible class with your peers. Mm -hmm. A a wider age range is like the body of Christ. Actually, a pastor friend of mine did mention to me once something that stuck with me. And he said, don't underestimate the power and importance of 
older friendships. Well, I thought you were going to say the force. I thought, <laughs> I thought, I thought for sure you were going to say don't, don't underestimate. And race. I had to say the, the power. power. Yeah, um, that too. That too. He is a Star Wars fan, <laughs> okay. so he would have said that. But it, in this conversation, he said, "Don't underestimate the the power and the importance of older friendships." Because we were like, "Oh, we want to find younger people," and that's important. There is a place for finding people your age, and like I think that's healthy. But he was just saying to us when we were having difficulty finding that, like, you need mentors. And conversely, the other way around. If there's people younger than you, you can be a mentor. Maybe be part of that, like, discipling other people. Well, that makes me think of Michael because he's had some positive interactions with some of the younger people in our church through connections he's made through camps. So he might be able to talk a little bit about being invested in in the church he grew up in, but also being able to invest in the youngers. I I think you you should talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, I think there is definitely importance in finding a church that that has both older people and younger people there. Um, I think of the example in the Bible where there's where there's somebody who's older and wiser that you can always be learning from, and there's somebody who's younger and hasn't gone through quite as much of their life as you have, hmm. and those are people that you can be pouring into. So. So I guess basically people who can pour into you and people who you can then pour into, I think is probably a healthy uh, example of of what you personally should be doing in the church. Yeah, I love that because none of us are at the top of the chain. Each one of us has to be poured into yeah. to pour into somebody else. Yeah. I think one thing um, – like practically, in order to get to that place, it's helpful to look for a church that has real people with with where they they don't just plaster on a smile <laughs> before they get out of the car and walk into church because it's really hard to um, be honest with people when they're not being honest with themselves or or anything like that. And so I think it's really important to find a church that's Willing to be open and honest with each other. Wait, so if I'm not smiling at <laughs> greeting time, does that mean, whoa, that's mind-blowing? You're allowed to have <laughs> other emotions, Tim. <laughs> wow. No, that's super good, though. That's super true because, like, that's – I've heard a lot of friends talk about that that exact thing you just mentioned about the fake. Like, I feel like if I go to church, I have to be okay. Like – it's not okay if I'm not okay at church. Huh. That's a sad yeah. thing to say about a group of people who are supposed to be like acknowledging their brokenness and growing together. That should be like our, that should be where we start. Like we're okay with not being okay. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say. I was just like, the purpose of the church is to lean on each other and grow with each other and be supporting of each other in this world. And if we're not being real with each other, how are we to help each other? Yeah. I think I would add to that there's no such thing as a perfect church. Mm. I think that some of us, at least, if not most of us, grew up going to our parents' church, and so this applies to me specifically. That was the only church that I knew, so in my mind, that's the way you do church, Mm -hmm. and that is the perfect church. And since then, I've moved around a lot, and I've had to constantly find a new place to call my home church every two years or so. And I sort of got in the pattern of finding a church 
that didn't do things what I thought were the wrong way. So I would leave a church and I needed to find a new church. So I would look at the things I didn't like about the past church I was in and find my new church based on that. And the problem is you always find problems no matter what kind of church you're in <laughs> because there is no perfect church. So, so something that I've found helpful is, is like what Mary was saying, to find a church where the people are authentic and realizing that we're all human, none of us are perfect, so there's going to be conflicts and there's going to be hard things wherever you go. And instead of pulling away from those things, pressing into them and asking, what do I have or what sort of skill set has God given me that I can offer and potentially help in these areas? Right, right. I think it's important, too, because it can be a very easy to have the tendency of like, oh, shopping, like, I don't like this one, I don't like that, <laughs> I don't like this, I don't like that. And I think it's really easy for any of us to be like, I, I, me, me, I, this doesn't work for me, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't mm-hmm. like this. And I think a better way to look is, oh, well, what could, what can I be doing to contribute to what's here? Because church isn't about going and, oh, getting, 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 it works for me, this works for me, I like this, I like this. And it's really easy to fall into that, and I think and Mary can probably speak to this too, but the concept of, oh, I need to be going there to be giving, 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 giving to this person, giving to that person, giving to this um, body. And it isn't about what it can give to me, but what I, it, it, about what I can give to, to it. And when I say it, you know, it's this, it's this group yeah. of people. It's this body. It's, this, it's the church. And so it's... Exactly, yeah. So yeah. instead of looking for what I like, okay, look for, a, look for a place that I can plug in. Well, okay, maybe I can't plug in here. But what about here? I think I could. I think I could plug in here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought about saying that required uh, watching before this uh, taping of this episode was John Christ's <laughs> Church Shoppers. <laughs> But I didn't. And it sounds you, funny. I, everyone's laughing like they know what it is. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure it's funny. Oh, it, it's 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 unbelievable. It's over the top. But about the perfect church, I love that phrase mm-hmm. because it's such a good. If the church is people and people aren't perfect, yeah, why should we expect to find a perfect church? And oh, I don't remember where I heard this. But someone else talking on this similar topic mentioned that, uh, and this one's kind of uncomfortable, but I'm going to share it anyways. You know, when you hear somebody who comes to your church and says, oh, this church uh, is, is good because of this and this and this. And these last, this last church I went to, it was bad because of this and this and this and this. I've heard it said that it's only a matter of time before you are that church in their past who is doing this and this. There isn't a perfect church. If you're at a, a, a place with a bunch of people who are trying to live life together, it's it's not gonna it's gonna be messy. It's not gonna be neat all the time. Some people are gonna have different ways that they put away the decorations for Christmas time and other people are gonna <laughs> wish that you had chairs instead of pews. It's like there's gonna be annoying conversations and things. So like obviously you're not looking for a perfect church. But you are going to look like you do have to say, oh, okay, do I just go to the church that believed what my mom and dad believed? And it's like, okay, well, obviously we're not just going to clone our parents' faith. It's got to be what you genuinely believe is what you see in the Bible and stuff. I would be interested to hear when you two, Mary and Mike, were looking for churches 
in this area, what were a couple of the kind of crucial, important things that you were looking for? Well, for me, I think there's just one main thing, and that is, do they believe what the Bible teaches? There's every, everything beyond that is preference, but do they believe what the Bible teaches? And I thought for my, my more innocent years, I thought every church preached from the Bible, but I've come to find that that's not true. <laughs> and just because you do preach from the Bible doesn't mean you believe what it says and doesn't mean that you interpret it correctly. So what's their view of the Bible and is that where they go? Period. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. If you're if you're hiding behind the Bible as a as a as a church leader saying this is, don't don't attack me. We're we're trying to do this as best we can. Yeah, that's really good. Do you have some things maybe as well? Yeah. Well, I actually I searched. I was looking for a church for several months, looking around the area, and I had a list of criteria, and some of them were like things that I would not budge on like they were they had to be obviously like like Mike you said uh, uh bible believing and and preaching and I I felt that for me I needed a church with people around my age because I know we talked about that earlier but I don't have a lot of friends my age and so it was really important for me um to get connected into the community in that way just because, I'll add on another one, um, I thought it was really important, the children's ministry. Children are the foundation, and if you're not putting into the children what you want them to be, then who knows where where the society will end up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I wanted a church that um, was really invested in, in kids, and that was obvious that there were many kids there. So yeah, yeah, those were some of my... Uh, just a few of my criteria for that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That last part makes me think about my one of the home churches I grew up at where it was about 30, 40, 50 people on like a big day. It was like 50 people. And it was regularly more like 30, um, sometimes even in the 20s. Small town church, definitely an older congregation. And it's not rare for me to be the youngest person in a room, but this was like, I was the youngest by like a fact, like my parents were the youngest people in the room other than me. (laughs) And my dad's in his sixties. So that tells you something. It was a Bible believing church, but the pastor's concern, oftentimes he would even mention it from the pulpit. is like, guys, look around when we're gone, like from this earth, this church is going to be gone if we don't have more people. And right. It's not about numbers. Right, but right, you yeah. had said earlier, Robbie, that the health of a church, you can a lot of times you can gauge part of that, not like definitively, but part of the health of a church, you can kind of gauge by are they reaching the body of Christ from zero to 90? And again, you know, not that every church is always going to be able to, to do that. But like the the if you're if you're not if you're not able to have members when your current generation like passes on, that's not exactly a healthy thing. So I've asked you two specifically about churches and and what you looked for when you, Mike and uh, and Mary, when you were in this area. And I specifically didn't ask you, Robbie, because as a pastor's kid, 
everything is perfect about your parents' church, right? Of course, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you obviously couldn't add anything. About <laughs> right, about I mean, I know we say it facetiously, but I think one of the things I realized was I don't think I fully appreciated what I did have because I do think that I attend a church that is um, – I think it's blessed. I do. Of course it's not. No, it's not. It's full of problems. I'm one of those problems, of course, because I'm in the church. But, um, but it's a, I think it's a church that God's blessed. It's still around. It's growing. All of you decided you wanted to go there, so I don't know. You found something in it that you thought was a, a, a good thing. And when I left it, I didn't really think much of it. I was like, okay, whatever. See you later. Whatever. And as I started attending this other church where I was and I started attending the Christian school that I was a part of, I realized, oh, yeah, okay, we we have these chapel services, but not everyone that comes in to speak is someone that I would think is the greatest speaker ever and really informative and really good at laying out the truth of Scripture and really good at you know, accurately finding what's in the Bible and saying, hey, here's what we need to do with it or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. And and in the church, too, just realizing, oh, this isn't quite what I'm used to. I'm, I'm finding myself missing my church. I'm finding myself missing the people there. I'm finding myself missing the ways I could plug into ministry there that I didn't even realize it because I was just doing it all the time without knowing it. And then all of a sudden I wasn't. It was like, oh, I'm no longer helping with the Awana program like I did here. And oh, I'm no longer hearing the teaching that I was just grew up with. So isn't that what all teaching is like? And to realize <laughs> that not, not every church has the same teaching. Not every church has the same opportunities to plug in. And I think what I realized in getting away from it was really what I had instead of taking for granted the teaching and the ministry opportunities in the church, then to go pull away from it and to not have those was like, wow, I never really thought I would miss my my church, but I, I'm finding that I am missing my church. And I, so that I think then to come back after college and kind of re-plug in was like, wow, this there really is something here that I think is is special um, and different and good. Um, hmm. So I, I think all those things are a part of it. I think each one of us by this point has has used my favorite church buzzword of all time, and it's actually a hyphenated word: plug in. <laughs> Right? (laughs) Hey, guys, get plugged into a church. Get plugged into a church. And you hear it so much. Like a lot of buzzwords, it kind of like just blurs into your brain this idea. What does this even mean? And then you step back and you you think about it when you're doing life on your own. And now you're realizing on your own, I have, I know, of, wow, being plugged into a church is so important. And it's so much more than just being there. But like, what do you mean? What do you think of when you hear plugged into a church? I want to know. I want to know. What do you think of the first, what is it like important about being plugged in and what do you mean by that? I can jump on and as you, as you're inspired, jump in as well. But I think one of the things you have to know is just what you're good at because chances are what you're good at is what you like, and what you like is probably what God gave you, whatever that is. Hmm. I mean, Mary's like, I like working with kids, so chances are she likes that because that's something God gave her, something she's good at. And so I think you have to know, like, oh, this is the thing that I'm passionate about, and that's why I think when you're looking, you have to be finding a place that can um, 
that you can plug in into. You know, I have you just a, used it again. Right, exactly. I, I'm, <laughs> Look I at guess, that. <laughs> I guess what I'm thinking of is I have a friend who was looking for a place and her, her gift was, was dancing. And so she's like, where can I find a church that I can use that? You know, and there, it's just the truth mm. is not all churches appreciate that style of worship, but it's something that she does. And so she's like, for me, I it's not going to make sense for me to go to a place that's like, we don't want to start a dance ministry here because that's where her passion lies. That's what God's given her to do. So she had to find a place that she could use that. Otherwise, she felt like she wasn't able to use her gifts. So I feel like you have to know your thing, whatever it is, and even the weirdest things, you're like, well, yeah, I'm interested in X, Y, Z, and that could never be used. But it probably can. You just have to find a way to to use that thing. You know, I'm thinking like, oh, when I was a kid, I really liked pumpkins, and I loved carving pumpkins, and I loved that time of year. And so I thought, oh, well, how could I incorporate that? Well, we planted a pumpkin patch in the church backyard because it's out in the country, and we started this festival where kids can come and they can get free pumpkins in October. And, you know, so so just find the weirdest thing that interests you and find a way to use that. Maybe they already have a ministry in thus and such, and you can plug into it. Or maybe you create your own, like, I like this, so let's start a whatever. There it is. Um, And so I think it's finding that thing you love because because then you're driven by your passion, which I think really is the Holy Spirit pushing you instead of like, well, they have this thing. I guess I'll sign up and do it because then I'm doing what I feel like is right. I mean, if you find something that works, yeah, but I, I think either create something that you're passionate about or find a place that's got that so you can – so you're driven by passion, not just by, well, this is what I have to do and this is what it means to plug in. I think you need to be passionate about it. Yeah. Another one of my criteria for finding a church was finding a church that was interested and actively in the community and um, evangelizing and getting the gospel out there. Because when I was at Bible school, that was one thing that was really like hammered in um, to my brain was that kind of stuff is so, so important. And that's what other than for the church – being there for a community of Christians, it's also just as important to be out there in the world and bringing people in. So for me, when I I found um, the church that I go to now, I was thinking, okay, so what kind of things do they do? And it was Awana, and it was perfect because I love kids, and I actually wanted to be a teacher for a long time when I was growing up. And so um, I was like, well, this is perfect. And so, yeah, just finding that church that either has the opportunity already for you or is that that is willing to work with you to do that. So, yeah, that's really important. And I'll just say, too, and in, in, along that line— running the games at Awana is what I do. And to have people help with that, like, it's so, so huge. Like, I couldn't do that by myself. Like, I need people being like, okay, everyone line up. And okay, did you hear the rules? You know, like all those t- sorts of things. And then to hear, you know, I know Tim's involved in the Awana program too. And just to realize like, okay, well, there might be times where I'm working on a Bible verse with thus and such kid. And then we'll, you know, the next week I'll work with th- this other one. And just to to hear the different methods that, that you use to help them get their scripture verses and that I'll use or that, you know, Trinity, you know, your wife, she'll use a different method with the girls over here. And so it's just, it's it's cool to hear different people's uh, methods and, and them using what they're good at to invest in these youngsters. And then the youngsters, you know, they they make this connection then with you like, oh, you're the... <laughs> 
the guy with the whipped cream hair, you know, as as <laughs> as uh, one of the kids affectionately refers to Tim as. But I just yeah, it's one cool of my that, favorite monikers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's cool that you can use what you're good at, and and that that then in turn that's then helping me too in in my role. If if I'm taking this role in the church as well, I'm trying to lead games, but I can't do that alone. I need the support of of other people, and so. It's creating that connection point too, which I think is really big. Mm-hmm. If you're like me or Mike and you didn't grow up wearing a red vest and sticking jewels on it when you memorize Bible <laughs> verses, that's what happens in this thing called Awana. It's mm-hmm. a kids' ministry at church. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually grow up going to that. So, me neither. Yeah, uh, I didn't but, either. But uh, it's... It's a <laughs> so just as a, as a bit of as a bit of education for anyone who who didn't have that pretty awesome experience. Before I move on from that, was there anything you wanted to add about that? Because I like that topic, but I don't want to hijack it. Sure. the The only thing I would add is I often like to define things by what they're not. So when we're talking about being plugged in, what does it not mean? And you already touched on this, Tim. What it does not mean is showing up for church for an hour each week, and that's it. Hmm. And I think that sometimes we get into this idea that there are maybe five or eight or 12 people that make the church run, and they're the ones who are helping at Awana, and they're the ones who are leading the music from the stage, and they're the ones doing this and that and the other thing, and the rest of us are just sitting in the pews, and that's it. And I think the way the church was intended to to thrive is each of us doing things so that there is nobody who just shows up and sits. And it's really easy for me to be plugged in because I've spent my entire life as a musician. Probably not the first couple of years before I could walk. I wasn't. <laughs> but after that. So... It's really easy to find where I can naturally serve, but for other people, it's more difficult. And I, I love what Robbie was saying about find what you're passionate about and either create it or jump on board with something that's already going on. But I would also add, don't limit yourself to just your passions because oftentimes people can see things in you that you can't see in yourself. So if somebody asks you to serve in a way that's outside your comfort zone or something you wouldn't normally do, by all means, pray about it and make the right make a decision. Um, don't just say yes because somebody asked you to. <laughs> um, what? We'll come back to that. I thought Wait that was the Christian we'll answer. Come back to that. <laughs> but but don't say I don't know anything about that, so I'm not I'm not going to help there. Be open to to stepping outside of that comfort zone because it may be something that you will fall in love with. Is that like that one time that Joe asked you to lead worship and you said no and said no and then eventually you did it and it was great? It's nothing at all like that. (laughs) (laughs) Robbie, you you teased at at coming back to that and you said Mm. something about this this idea of saying saying yes just because somebody asked you what like you're not supposed to do that right right yeah (laughs) I know and there's all these like oh pastor's kids all the jokes and whatever and oh pastor's family runs everything because you're perfect right yeah exactly so we know uh, (laughs) so 
Uh, I do think that's an easy trap to fall into, and I just want everyone to be happy all the time. And if be if saying yes means that whoever asks me will be happy, then I'll say yes, so they're happy. But then I didn't actually want to do the thing, and so I'm a little bit bitter that I'm doing it, and blah, blah, blah. So you can't do everything, and I think you need to find your one thing, maybe two things if God's blessed you with enough time and energy to do two things. But I think doing fewer things really well is really good and better than trying to do everything poorly because you can't put as much time into it. I know I'm really guilty of just saying yes to everything, but I think you have to come to that point where you're like, you know, I I can't say yes to that because I've already said yes to this and this. You know, it's not like <laughs> I never say yes to anything, but it's it's saying yes to those things that you know you're really supposed to be doing and being willing to let those things go because otherwise you'll just do and do and do and do and do and then pfft, I'm tired of doing. Um. So here's, I, I love what you just said because it's super practical. Like boil it down to the one or two things you're really good at and like was already said that you like because if it's something, if it's God's gift to you, something that you have been gifted with, chances are he made you good at something you enjoy. So pick those one or two things that you're good at and serve, plug in to your church in that way. That's super practical advice for somebody who's tempted to do too much. In this whole doing church in one's 20s or thereabouts, you know, 18, you're an adult now, you're choosing your own church. A thought occurred to me, don't ask what church is God's will for you. Ask what God's will is for you in church. Mm. So it's mm. like, yes, God doesn't care that you find the perfect church because we already discussed like that's not out there. You're not going to find it. But wherever you choose to be, like Mike mentioned earlier, somewhere as long as if the Bible's the standard, if the Bible's being preached, and yeah, I get there's different ways to interpret the Bible, but if you've got a pastor who's taking the Bible seriously, yeah, they're not all going to agree. You're not always going to agree every time. But if the Bible is the basis, like that's where to start. If you're in that place where the Bible is being respected, then just just make yourself a part of that family and ask what God's will is for you there, not what place is God's will for you. Because yeah. you're about, he wants you to be with other people in community, not mm-hmm. to go find some perfect community. That's something my dad will always say from the pulpit too. Like, you better be doing your homework. Don't just believe everything I say from up here. Disagree with me if you want. <laughs> Open your Bible. The point is I want you to read your Bible. You know, so I always like that he's like, come and challenge me if you have a question. Don't just eat everything I say and be like, this must be true. You know, like, so it's cool how he's like, go find go find it for yourself. Yeah, and I think that's also like a good sign of a pastor who – is genuine because if a pastor is willing to say, hey, check this out for yourself, this, I might not be right. That one shows humility and he realizes he's still human. Um, (laughs) Important, a very important thing for a pastor to do. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, (laughs) But it also is encouraging because um, it reminds us, hey, we don't need to believe everything we hear. And I know that in this culture – we don't believe everything we hear, but even at church, we still need to um, be in the word and make sure that what we're hearing is legit. So, yeah. 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 Okay. So, biblically, things often end with warnings. <laughs> and that like always kind of makes me a little uncomfortable, like that the Bible's last words pretty much are like a warning. 
But it's because God wants us to stay out of what we shouldn't be in. So I do. Ha- I don't think any of us here have been in a super unhealthy church experience, right? Like I think we've all had a pretty, a pretty good church experience growing up, and praise God, are, are in a healthy place right now in our church relationships. But we can't be naive and say, you know, just be loyal to your local church. Like it, it is possible there are lots of people who are in churches that aren't healthy situations, not just because, oh, the worship style's too old, the carpet's ugly, like, yeah, okay, you can probably stick that through, like, you can make that that church work. But, like, I want to honor the fact that there are people who have churches that, they like any relationship, it might be best for them to be away from. Um, I don't know if... Um, so this last part, I know we haven't talked about as much as the rest of the things we've talked about, but feel free to add anything that comes to your mind. But um, so you mentioned, though, something, Mary, about the pastor has to still recognize that they're human <laughs> yeah. and that, like, their authority can even scripturally be questioned, mm-hmm. even though there is such a thing as pastoral authority. But, like, they're still people. They're not Jesus standing up there. <laughs> exactly. As yeah. cool as that would be. Yeah. Um, I think a thing to watch out for in a church if you find yourself in a place where you're feeling authority is being manipulated, right? That's a scary thing. Jesus shows us how authority should be used and that he comes to earth as the incarnate God of the universe and washes other people's feet. So authority in a Christian structure is always given to serve. And if it's ever given to manipulate or to to coerce or to otherwise, you know, be about me, 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 then that's probably an authority structure to be wary of. And there's lots of warning signs of that. And I think that's kind of a case by case basis. But I think that's the one main thing that occurs to me anyways, if if I think, ooh, what would be a warning sign that I would need to get out of my church? Uh, I think that would be the thing that I would be most wary of as a Christian is how is authority being treated? Authority is there scripturally for a church to have, but is it being abused? Is it being twisted? Is it is it not humble leadership, servant leadership like Jesus led? Well, I can speak a little bit to that. I, I wasn't a part of a, a church that you described, but I did come to find a few people who were a part of that when I was living um, elsewhere. I, I found some people who were really, really seemed like gung-ho Christians, and I was living in a big city and thinking, wow, these are the kinds of people I want to surround myself with. And um, I later realized that they were sort of a church kind of cult thing. So <laughs> dun, dun, dun. To, to the extent of the pastor determines how you if you have facial hair, who you marry, things like that that were really crazy. And so those are all red flags. But I think the warning here is just because they're opening up the Bible and preaching from it, you can't just let your guard down. Like Mary said, you have to actually, like all of you said, you have to go back to the Bible for yourself because these guys were like as Bible-minded as they come. And that's why I didn't give it a second thought. And we would meet up 
every day to study the Bible, but there were just little things here and there that started to、um, sort of set me off to the fact that this might not be a good thing. So yes, we want to make sure that that you're being taught from the Bible, but just because the Bible's open. Doesn't necessarily make it a healthy church, so there's lots of other things to watch out for.、Mm, yeah, yeah. I want to say something to that. It's always of concern where singular parts of Scripture, devoid of the rest of the context of Scripture, get made into ultimate things. You know, claiming one verse <laughs> and making it like your big thing, your big push. I've seen that happen before in other groups, and it. It 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 can hoodwink you easily because, like you said, it's the Bible,、mm-hmm. but it's the Bible not being applied faithfully, not being applied with with respect to the rest of the Bible. Right, and out of context, you can make the Bible say whatever you want. <laughs> It's true.、Yeah. And I would say conversely too, like, hey, be careful of the danger of taking pieces of Scripture and making them what you want. And I would say. Be careful of a church that uses zero scripture. <laughs> like if they're <laughs> never opening the Bible at all, that's a problem. <laughs> oh my goodness,、yeah. it's a lot of stuff to chew on. Yeah, I just I do have one thought that I wanted to share, and it's that if you're already in a church and you've been in a church in this church for a while, and there's nothing huge wrong with it, there's like little things that have annoyed you for a little while. That is not a reason to leave a church.、Mm. Leaving a church is like getting a divorce. I have heard that before、um, from a, a good friend of mine, and it's so true. If you think about it, it's like you have to avoid the people that you went to church with. Like it can get really ugly unless、mm. you do it right. So when when I left the church that I grew up in, it wasn't a big deal because I、uh, had been at school, and actually we had changed pastors, and and so it wasn't a huge thing. But I just caution leaving a church for a little reason. It needs to be pretty big if you're going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Wow! Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to If That Makes Sense, a Family Life original podcast. And if you like what you heard, and you don't want to miss good future content, you can subscribe with your email address at fln.org/podcast, or search for the show by name anywhere you find and listen to your podcasts. 